Who do you work for, really? Each one of us has a calling. Have you heard this before? Your workplace is your mission field, wherever that may be. You either work for him or work against him, but you work for someone. Who do you really work for? Is it your clients, your boss, your family, yourself, or your Lord? This isn't a trick question. There is a right answer. You're either all in or all out. Are you for him? I am. In fact, I work for him. Hey, Jim, who do you work for? I work for him. I work for Jesus Christ. I want to be your let me introduce you to the host of the I Work For Him show, Jim Brangenberg. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You've tuned into the I Work For Him radio show with your host, Jim Brangenberg. Take a minute and listen. I Work For Him, is, it's not a program that you sign up for. It's a mentality. It's a way of living. It's a permanent shift in your Christ-following paradigm. It's a revolution that's happening in the workplace, and it's about bringing the kingdom of God into places where the kingdom is ignored. Keep in mind that your existence in your workplace, it's not by chance. It doesn't matter what you do or where you do it. Whether you're a pastor, a car mechanic, an attorney, a teacher, a mom, a used car salesperson, your work, it matters to God. And he expects you to be his representative in your workplace. And in your workplace, to recognize that that's your mission field. And in that mission field, you may be the only Jesus your coworkers and employees may ever meet. Now, I know you've heard me say this tons and tons of times, but every day we need to be reminded that going to work is not just to draw paychecks so we can buy groceries. Going to work every day is an opportunity to be a light for Christ. Each day on the I Work For Him show, we try to bring you the practical, the tactical, the factual, and the biblical ways to incorporate your faith into your workplace. I don't come to you as an expert. I don't come to you as somebody that's got this all figured out. I'm just one guy trying to live my life transparently so that you can maybe gain something in order to be an effective witness for Christ in your workplace. Our paradigm shift is described like this. Romans 12.2, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Welcome to the I Work Ram Zone. I hope you're never the same. All right, today we're talking about continuing on with our theme for the week of preparing you for workplace ministry. Today we're talking about how the short-term mission field prepares you for workplace missions. And I know you may think that's funny, but the short-term mission field is an outstanding place to prepare you for missions. We have on our show today, none other than He's been bitten by a rattlesnake, struck by lightning, attacked by a monkey, and attacked by a shark, Eric Norrie. But he's here to talk today about how the short-term mission field made the biggest change and an everlasting change in his life. And we also have Martha Brangenberg joining as a co-host, a co-host of today's show, and she's going to talk about her, how her year in Venezuela on the short-term mission field also made an impact. All right. Eric and Martha, welcome to the show. Thank you, Jim. It's great to be here with you. You have no idea what to expect yet. Martha, (laughs) welcome back. We're glad he's here. That's right. I'm glad you're both here. All right, listen. As a basis for our discussion today, I always like our listeners to just talk about, or our listeners, I want our listeners to hear you talk about how Christ made an impact on your life. Eric, start us off. Well, originally, uh, I was 22 years old. It was a a week before I was going to be married, and, and I was missing something. And uh, my fiancé at the time had given me a Bible, uh, one of which I'd never read before. And uh, 
coincidentally, I started listening to who I thought was Charles Stanley on the radio, or excuse me, who I thought was Zig Ziglar on the radio. Turns out it was Charles Stanley. And over a series of a couple of weeks with that Bible, and or a week with that Bible, and listened to him in the car, I, I came to know the Lord 22 years ago. And that was the that was the pivotal changing moment of my life when I trusted Christ as Savior as he died for my sins. And paid the price for them and I and I put my faith and trust in him and and that that was the beginning of the change. But then I want you to talk about 6 years ago and and leading up to your first short-term missions trip, what happened then? Okay, so well, maybe uh, a week prior to me leaving on my first short-term mission, uh throughout that period of time which was about 14-15 years uh from the time I accepted Christ, I always had this sense that God was calling me to something more, and I and I felt like missions was was that thing. And my father had just gone into the hospital unexpectedly for open heart surgery, and uh, I found myself in a room alone with my dad, and we almost lost him. He flatlined and had my hand on his chest, and I was praying, God, please don't take my dad. And uh, I was just overtaken, I believe, with the Holy Spirit uh, when. When God said to me, Eric, you don't have a clue what your purpose in life is. And if you're not careful, you're going to be laying there just like he is, feeling like you are right now. Success from the world's perspective, I had it because we had a great business, still have a great business, was very successful financially, had a wonderful family, wonderful home, but but spiritually I was almost bankrupt. And uh, right then and there I prayed, God, show me what you want me to do. And it wasn't a a week later that I was at a Keswick Christian uh, function with some parents at a PTF meeting and and uh, a man named Andy Brown. Andy Brown. Andy Brown yeah. uh, invited me on a mission trip and I accepted the invitation immediately. And uh, and that was sort of the beginning of of really having an understanding of, of God's leading in my life. Yeah, and we're not going to give away all the secrets from that first trip. But we got a picture at the table just to remind us of that first trip. And so we're going to get back to that in a minute. Now, Martha... Talk about how Christ has impacted your life. Um, well, I think in relationship to what we're talking about today, um, definitely when I was 15 years old, my parents went um, made a decision to change their career and become missionaries. And um, that's a, a story I'm sure we'll talk about a little bit throughout the, um, the show. But through that process, seeing my parents um, asking the Lord what he wanted of them impacted me in such an incredible way because I saw them truly follow where God was calling them and uh, letting go of everything according to the world standards, you know, that they had um, and and following him and using the gifts that uh, God gave them in the mission field. And uh, that that impact um, helped me to put the rest of life, I think, in perspective. Hmm. Awesome. Okay, so listen, all week we've been talking about getting prepared for workplace ministry. On Monday, we talked about the value of devotions and how having your own personal devotion time in the morning with the Lord is the most important time of the day, which helps you function like a normal human Christian the rest of the day. But that it's absolutely key and important in preparing you for workplace ministry. You can't be expected to do what God wants you to do in the workplace if you don't start off your day with Him. And so that's what we talked about on Monday. And it was a great show. So if you missed it, check 
out the archives because it was really not because I was on the show. We had two fantastic guests, Robert Smith and Ross Harrop, just talking about their personal devotion time and what an impact it makes. And then on Tuesday's show, we talked about the value of networking and preparing you for workplace ministry. And really, we turned it to the value of networking actually being workplace ministry. And so that was really powerful in, in how we set it up. And so today... I want to talk about the impact of short-term missions, because I, too, have been on a short-term mission field multiple times, and it was, Eric, because of your first trip, I had always told Martha, yeah, I want to make sure I tell the story, I had always told Martha, we have, we've supported missionaries right out of high school together. Martha and I have supported our friends, Mike and Linda Gunderson, who have been in Brazil and South America and other working in Asia fantastic people, but I always said, why do I got to go overseas? Why do I get overseas when there's all this work to be done here locally? I, I don't need to go overseas. I can just do it here locally. What I never understood was the value of Martha of going overseas to see what we saw in the Dominican Republic. And, and so Martha was always hoping and praying that it would. In fact, our kids with Indian Rocks had already gone on short-term missions trips. And, and I said, okay, after I saw how you and Andy came back and your friends came back from that first trip, I'm like, I got I to gotta see what what is this all about. I didn't need that miraculous change, but I wanted my paradigm shifted. And so it was powerful. So what, let's just talk about really quickly before the break, what is short-term missions? Well, I think um, my, I guess, definition of it would be short-term missions is an opportunity, whether it be just a couple of days or a week, or even like my parents, it was a defined year um, where you leave your regular day-to-day routine and um, just do whatever God calls you to do and wherever that may be. Eric, what about you? What do you think? Yeah, it's interesting. Leaving your regular everyday routine is, is I think, key. And I like mm-hmm. the verse that you quoted first, which is which is Romans 12, 2, that we're not to be conformed any longer to the patterns of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds so that we can know what the will of God is, that which is good and perfect and acceptable. And uh, to not conform to the patterns of the world when we're living in the city that we're in and we're doing the same thing that we've done every day, which is conforming to the patterns of the world, um, is is difficult to do. But when you step out on the mission field, you have an opportunity, even if it's a, if it's a short period of time, to do that uh, and understand what that actually means. Well, and I think what's most powerful about it, you know, if your short-term trip is going to be a week or two weeks, a lot of times that trip is more about what God does in your life. You go for a whole year, God can actually use you in ministry. But sometimes those short-term trips are not as much about what you go to do, but about what God does in you. And we're about ready to hear from Martha and from Eric. Nora. That's right. We have in studio today, my bride, Martha Brangenberg, who spent a year on the short-term mission field, and Eric Nori, who's been on the mission field, the short-term mission field. How many times, Eric? A bunch. Way more than you can count. <laughs> yeah, a lot. And, and Eric has been to places like the Dominican Republic, Honduras, but he's also been to the jungles of Papua New Guinea. And that's a trip we're going to hear about a little bit later. Tune in after the bottom of the half hour. I'm going to have him talk about that. That's a trip that only one in 400 million people would take. Maybe not even that many. All right. But we're talking about how you how short-term missions prepares you for workplace ministry. And Martha, you wanted to say something right off the bat, so go ahead and jump with that. Well, I just didn't want to um, have people get the impression that it's only all about yourself. You know, definitely it is a paradigm shift when you go on a short-term missions trip or long-term, but um, the impact that you can have where you go, most of the time you will never know. And I think that's the 
one of the realities that's really hard to grasp because you don't know what impact you have when you go somewhere and you um, give some clothes to some kids in a in a village or you love on somebody and tell them about Jesus in their language through a brochure or through a translator, you have no idea what the ripple effect of that is going to be. And I think even that plays a huge impact on your own life when you come back because you just pray that the Holy Spirit uses those moments beyond your human capacity. Well, you know, and I didn't know you, Martha, before you went in that year in Venezuela. I met you right after you came back, Mm -hmm. of course, because you were dating one of my buddies. (laughs) And that's how I met you when you came back and you moved to Minnesota. So how, how was your life impacted, permanently impacted by that year in Venezuela? I think multiple things. One, just getting um, removed from the American culture and realizing that not everybody lives the way that we do. Um, I think that that's huge because then when we went back to the Dominican, my goodness, that had been uh, 25 plus years since I had been out of the country in those kind of environments. And in a sense, it almost felt like home. It was very natural to me. It was very normal in the sense that I already knew that there were people that lived differently than I live in my suburb, you know. And um, so it impacted me because I had a different worldview probably than a lot of the teens my age because I had seen a different culture and a different lifestyle and knew that everything was not like it was for me. And that's why when I looked into your eyes that fateful <laughs> August morning at church in 1982, I knew there was something different about there you. There you go. And that, and that was the thing. That was just, mm. it, it, it turned it around. So compare your time in Venezuela to the time you spent in the Dominican, because you went to the Dominican. You know, Eric and Andy and his nine buddies went to the Dominican with our friend DJ Springman back in 2008. Then you went again. And then in 2009, I went with uh, you and me and just a couple other friends in April of 2000. 2009. Then we went to the big group of guys in the fall of 2009. And then the ladies, most of the wives of the men that had gone went and you went on that trip. That's so, right. so compare that that time. What was that time all about when you went with the, all those ladies? Um, I think the biggest difference was that I was at a different place in my life um, rather than as an impactful teenager who went because I was still under my parents' roof, even though um, I was very willing to go to Venezuela. Um, I think that the difference was is now I'm a mom of two kids. I have a different perspective perspective on needs and mothering and nurturing other people and going to places um, with a bunch of women, which that was a unique experience in and of itself. I don't think many people do that where they just take a a bunch of women. That was really, really neat. But being able to love on people um, from that perspective of of nurturing and helping and wanting to just make them feel special and then understand where that specialness really comes from is that they were created by a heavenly father who loved them. And so I think just the different time in my life really was the biggest difference um, because I had different perspective on things. Hmm. All right. So Eric, I didn't know you at all before you went to the Dominican Republic the first time. When you first went and met Kenneth Beluche and you first walked on the campus of the Word of Life camp in uh, outside of Santo Domingo, But you wrote on, this quote was on the website. I never really understood what serving God meant until our recent visit to the Dominican. Lives are being transformed and people are coming to Christ. That experience changed my life and transformed me. I will never be the same. What happened on that first trip in May of 2008? Well, Jim, you know, it's interesting because uh, one of our commissions that the Lord has given us is to go unto all the earth and preach the gospel. And uh, yes, we can do that right here in Pinellas County, and we should. But I think I think what happens is that 
um, when we when we sort of step out in faith and we and we really do deny ourselves and we go to do something that really is all about furthering the kingdom, things happen and um, amazing things happen when you literally follow every single leading of the Holy Spirit that's ever taken place and and for a short period of time for four days it's almost it's almost uh, something that you can't explain to get yourselves get your get your group and yourself fully sort of involved in ministry at a hundred percent capacity and then not only that but the man uh kenneth is a godly wonderful example and to be around a guy like that and to see his example uh was just truly inspiring so to get out of yourself even if it's a short period of time four or five days just to get out of yourself and and uh, really follow the leading of the Holy Spirit and, and watch what God can do. And we know that the Word of God never returns void. Mm-hmm. And one of the greatest things that sh- anybody can do in any community or any country is to share the Word of God because there's nothing more powerful than His Word. And to see uh, those seeds that you plant and you see going back after years and years and seeing things happen, uh, it's amazing. And it's it, it, was a, it, was, it was really my first... Um, step into something that was not about my personal comfort and to better myself somehow in my career and to, you know, I felt like I was a nice guy and I felt like I was wonderful to my wife and kids and everything else, but there's something about serving others and that's why Jesus came to serve, not to be served and uh, he's he's that great example and, and, and Kenneth in the Dominican was an example of a servant there to serve people and when you do that uh, when Jesus said, "Give and it will be given unto you," uh, it's hard to. That's a paradigm shift. You talked about shifting paradigms. How does how how does it happen that when you give, it's given to you? It doesn't make sense. But in God's uh, in God's kingdom, that does make perfect sense. Well, you found a guy in the Dominican Republic who had a vision for planting a camp a camp to minister to children, uh, to pull them out of the villages and give them a place to go where they can have three square meals a day and really have, I mean, just, he had a vision for bringing kids to Christ, but by providing a positive camp experience. But he had, all he had was the land. Actually, at that point in time, did he even have the land yet? Just, yeah, he just had just got gotten the land, and he and he'd spent some, you know, a number. We would think, well, it was one hundred and sixty-seven thousand dollars, I think, for the land, and it was a miracle how God orchestrated all that. And now all he needed was like ten million dollars to build the camp. But you and your buddies, and then their buddies, and then their wives, all found something to invest in that was way bigger than yourself. You guys all helped Kenneth build that camp. Well, it was interesting because when I when I came back from that first trip, um, I was wrecked in a good sense. Um, I literally couldn't speak to my wife for three days. I mean, every time I tried to open my mouth, I just got so emotional. Um, and of course, just coming back, and my dad was my dad was doing better. He was out of the hospital because this was just a couple weeks after that uh, heart deal. And uh, but I literally couldn't speak. I couldn't I couldn't open my mouth and speak. Just tears came pouring out of my eyes and. I heard somebody say one time that when when God squeezes your heart, it comes out your eyes, and that was <laughs> that was absolutely That's true. A great one. Um, so so we uh, I felt like the Lord was really uh, pressing on my heart to to share what that gift that God had given me with other people, and really we just wanted to share the mission with other guys, and we started taking businessmen on this trip and. 
one thing sort of led to another and and the lord provided in many different ways to to help build that camp which is part of uh the word of life which is a huge camping ministry they got a camp right here in hudson florida camp right here they got a camp in in, uh, new york screen lake new york and one in the dominican republic and argentina 60 other ones all over the world it's a wonderful ministry for for young people and it's a it's an opportunity for kids to to hear about the lord and and it's wonderful well let's talk about why is it that we have to be taken out of our comfort zone in order for God to make such a huge impact on our lives, because we've all had it happen to us. What, what is it about that removing us from comfort zone that allows us to hear God? I think that we are so bombarded by things, um, especially, you know, we're, we're talking America, you know, for the, the general, typical, average American, we're so bombarded with information and technology and busyness and family and all of that, that we just don't be quiet and listen to what God is is um, saying to us. And so by stretching us, by making our focus other focused, you know, I mean, that's the intent on a mission trip to help somebody. I think just all of those things, you just, you, you're not thinking about what do I need right now? What does somebody else need? And you don't even realize how that affects you. I think one of the biggest things, Eric, when you and Andy and the rest of those guys came back and you're just like, oh, we're going to go again. We need clothes because the people in the villages, they don't need clothes and we need shoes and we need bags. And I remember the time we went in 2009 in October, we had 26 guys and each one of us bought, brought a bag of clothes we were going to bring. One guy brought a whole bunch of toothpaste and all kinds of... He brought candy, which I never understood the candy thing. But anyway, it's that good. was nice. Um, candy is good. Can, can, well, I understand the candy, but... If kids like candy, Jim. That's kids right. do like candy, but if they don't have toothpaste, you're going to screw their teeth up. But okay. what I loved about the fact is, I, I can remember, you had gotten a whole bunch of box, boxes of t-shirts from somebody. I don't remember what it was. And we got to the checkout or check-in counter at Orlando, and they said, well, you can't have in a box. they got to be in a bag luggage you can't ship a box and and i just it was so fun bringing all of that stuff to the dominican and it wasn't about the stuff it was as much as by having that stuff we were taken into the villages and both the dominican villages and the haitian villages and were given that opportunity to give it to people who needed it mm-hmm. and, and that was a stretching more than anything and you won't remember this but we went into a Dominican village it was well swept the whole thing was well swept we went door to door we got packaged outfits as you as encouraged everybody to put them in Ziploc bags uh, and we handed out outfits and in the middle of this village there was a little superette and they had coke in a cooler <laughs> bottled and, and you bought $20 worth of coke in bottles and we're in the middle of this sweating our living bodies out alright I guess I don't get to finish that story even I interrupt myself I was just talking with Eric about the first time I went actually it was the second time I went with Eric to the Dominican Republic the first time Eric and Andy and I had the privilege of taking a business owner who had a patent that he desperately wanted to give to somebody that would generate an ongoing revenue stream for a mission organization and, and it was it was an amazing product. It was a block-making product. And I never understood God's hand in this whole deal because we went to the Dominican Republic four months before the earthquake in Haiti. Four months. And we had the patent and we had all of the, what we needed to build a block plant that could have helped paid cash for the, for the camp. But nothing, nothing was there to put it together. We needed a quarter of a million dollars. All we needed was $250,000. But in 2009, nobody had any cash. 
And we went there, and this block plant could have been built right there outside of Santo Domingo and shoveled bricks to Haiti to rebuild it four months later. But that wasn't God's plan. But it was amazing because that trip made such an impact on that business owner and his son that their lives today are fantastically impacted. So that's that's a cool thing. I don't know if you knew that whole story, Eric. But the second time we're in this we're in this village and we've handed out clothes to everybody. And I remember that, that was the first time I've been in a village like that. And we handed out clothes and shoes. And I remember help putting shoes on a kid who had never had shoes on. Mm-hmm. And he walked around like when you put shoes on a pet and they, they can't walk or they lift their feet up fine. That, that kid could not walk on shoes. It was such an amazing experience. But So we've gone around this very outside of the box for me because we're speaking to people in English and they don't speak anything but Spanish. And it was we were just trying to bless them. And in the middle of this village, there's this little superette, I would call it a little grocery store that had like 20 items on the shelf, but they had a cooler with Coca-Cola in it. And Eric whips out a $20 bill and buys, I don't know, probably 20 Cokes. And it was just, it was an amazing experience because it was, I'd been so out of my box in that village, very uncomfortable, but at least there was the comfort of a nice cold Coke right in the middle of the village. <laughs> Good old America. So, just so you know, it made an impact. Now that had no spiritual impact at all, but it was like a religious experience. <laughs> all right. So your experience on the short-term mission field, both of you, and really for me as well, how did it impact your ability to minister in your workplace? Uh, I mean, first and foremost, by be beginning a change that's still taking place in my life as I slowly try to fade out of of that conformity to the to the patterns of the world. I mean that really is just such a key key aspect. And so often, especially in in business, um, you know, we're trained from the time we f- enter kindergarten and start going through school that success is the Lamborghini Countach, success is the helicopter on the back of the yacht, success is the five million dollar house on the water, <laughs> and uh, but the taxes will kill you. Taxes will definitely kill you. But um, as you sort of approach your business with a with a transformed mind that comes by the word of God. And you start to operate your business under those uh, conditions. It really is a it's a it's a dynamic change that is excellent for everybody because obviously Jesus uh, was the master, literally, and um, he's he's he gives us a great instruction book and what to do, how to treat other people, and you know you don't just treat the people at your church kindly and the way that you want to be treated, and love the people that are that are your uh, um, church-going friends, but it's your employees, it's your neighbors, it's your friends. It's that you know, it's everybody. And when you when you begin to sort of have a biblical worldview as you approach your business, it changes everything. Mm. Yes, as I say at the beginning of every show, if your life has been impacted by Jesus Christ, everything about you should be changing. Yeah, and, and it's and it's true. Okay, so. Martha, you run a Christian bookstore, Karis Christian Books and Gifts, and we're going to talk about a, one of the book's highlights. <laughs> I, I, I missed that section. We'll get, we'll get to that very shortly. Well, talk about how being on the short-term mission field has impacted the way you treat the people that work for you. Well, it's funny because um, when I came back from the Dominican with the trip with all the ladies that I'd gone on, one of my employees pulled me aside and said a couple of things to me that just really shocked me because although I knew that it had been a special experience, I didn't really 
know that that was visible to other people. And um, this employee pulled me aside and said, you know, you are very different since you came back. Um, more focused as a boss and a manager. And also, um, she said that I, you know, just... You could, there was a piece, I guess, is you know basically what she was explaining, and so I really think I translated that into just that I had been um, number one unplugged from the world that we live in, and allowed um, God to just you know allow the quiet and the silence to be there, and um, just really. I guess I allowed that to come back with me and um, how I was treating people and um, not that I was treating them bad before, but maybe just like yeah, she said, you are such a I know person. I'm a mean person, <laughs> mean. but um, Martha's I, got a reputation, <laughs> I guess more focused and um, just knew that what I do had greater purpose. You know, Eric, one of the things that I noticed from the group of guys that, that you first went with and then went back with and then brought more guys and more guys and more guys is that, when they came back, they looked at their businesses different than they'd ever looked at it before. I mean, and I don't know if you saw it because you were, you were such right in the middle of it, but, you know, those guys were excited about what Jesus had done in their lives. They wanted to tell everybody. They couldn't, you know, the experience of being with Kenneth, you know, on our first trip to the Dominican, um, you remember we stayed in the, I like to call it a youth hostel. What was it? The, the score. We stayed at score with the bugs. And then, you know, we had that business guy stayed in that, I don't know, it was like an embassy, embassy suites. <laughs> okay. And so we stayed with the bugs. They stayed with the embassy suites. And you snored all night long, by the way. And um, <laughs> on our way, I don't know if you remember this, because I know you've been so many times, but on our way from uh, score to the embassy suites, Kenneth was in the van. He had come picked us up. And we stopped along the road and picked up a hitchhiker. And I think it was a guy that was a worker at the embassy suites. And in the mile, they're, they're, you know, because the roads in the Dominican Republic have uh, potholes bigger than cars. In that mile or two miles that it was that we picked that guy up and went to the front door of the hotel, Kenneth had that guy on his knees praying to receive Christ as Savior and Lord in two miles. He just asked some questions. We have no idea. All I could, you know, I, I could hear him say, hey, you want Jesus in your heart instead of in your head. And, and, and this guy was on his knees crying, begging for Christ to come into his life in two miles. And I'd never, ever been in the presence of a true evangelist. I mean, somebody with the gift of evangelism, like Billy Graham, kind of like evangelism, Peter and Paul, not Peter, Paul, and Mary, Peter and Paul, well, maybe Mary, Jesus's mother, but Peter and Paul kind of evangelism. And that made such an impact on me because I'd never seen that gift used. I'd seen it on TV. I've never seen it in the villages of the Dominican Republic. And it was it was unbelievable. So your friends that came back, what are some of the things that that you noticed really changed about how they looked at their workplaces? Maybe it's even you. What, what, what changed about how you looked at it? Well, obviously, um, the more you grow in the Lord, the more you start to understand what your what your purpose is. And that was my prayer um, back there when I was standing by my father in that hospital room. Lord, show me my purpose. And um, the purpose is not just to see how many zeros you can get behind the dollars in your bank account. It's a it's a purpose that's more kingdom minded. So I think as you as you start to approach your business with a kingdom mindedness, and that's part of part of who you are and part of what you do. And you recognize that God has blessed you with this business to bless other people and to and to use that business to uh, to promote his kingdom in any way that you can. And that doesn't mean that your literature says, you know, Jesus is Lord on it. Um, that just means that you do things that are upright 
and you do things with integrity and you and you and you share the gospel when you when you can at at different times um i shared with you before the show started in japan with a with a businessman uh and giving him a bible in japanese and english both and he had a very very large corporation and and it gives you the opportunity to use your business as a platform for the gospel hmm. you know one of the things i noticed is just the the really the way those business guys and myself looked at they saw people in a village where most of them if they had it had two sets of clothing some of most of them had a door on their house quote unquote house most of them had one bed maybe not but their house was perfectly swept clean the dirt was perfectly swept clean and they were content with what they had they were hungry but they were content. And I think that that's the biggest impact I saw on the business guys that went was they came back and they realized how much they had, and yet they still experienced discontent, and how little the Dominicans had, and how they were very content. And and I, I saw it shifting paradigms by looking at how appreciative they should be of what they had. It was really cool. Martha, what did you see among the ladies that you were with? Oh, I agree. Some of that same, you know, mentality of just realizing, again, coming with that motherly perspective of wanting to nurture these people and help them and then realize so much of what they you you don't want to create discontentment in them um, because they um, are this is that is their life being able to get resource them, give them food, but not create discontentment in them because they have some they had something we really strive for. Mm. Now, Eric, you had the opportunity to go to Papua New Guinea, which is an island off of New Zealand or Australia? North of Australia. North of Australia. And it is a place where when people hear about, hey, there's a couple thousand languages still left to be interpreted uh, or for the Bible to be translated into 156 or 186 of those languages are on that island. It is a remote island. It's an island that was wiped out by a, uh, many villages were wiped out by a tsunami back in 1999. It's time for our weekly book highlight. One that I believe will deepen the impact Christ is making on your life. This section is sponsored, as always, by Karis Christian Books and Gifts. Our highlighted book today is written by Sarah Young, and it's called Jesus Calling. Jesus Calling is a devotional filled with uniquely inspired treasures from heaven from, for every day of the year. This book is miraculous. Martha's sold over 3,000 copies in her store. Every person I hear from talks about the amazing timing of the daily conversations that Sarah Young writes down as you have this conversation with Christ each and every day. This would be a great addition to any morning devotional time. I recommend you get a copy. And on every Monday, we give away a gift card to Karis Christian Books and Gifts, so make sure you tune in on Monday and have an opportunity to win a gift card. Remember, you need to read the book. Don't wait for the movie. All right, we're back with Eric Noria and Martha Brangenberg in studio talking about how short-term missions makes an impact on your life. Now, Eric, you had the opportunity, I believe it was last year, to take your bride and a couple of your kids, but not all of your kids, I think, to Papua New Guinea, which is quite possibly the remotest area of the world. How long was the plane trip? Oh, boy. I think it was 40-some hours altogether. All right, so you mm-hmm. flew in a plane, multiple trips, 40 hours. Then you got in a vehicle. 
Right. Didn't well, you? we got in a we got in a small float plane and yeah. we flew out two hours into the jungle and we landed on a river. So you flew two hours in a float plane yeah. and landed on a river, and that's one of those rivers full of um, crocodiles, crocodiles, other things that can eat piranhas. You. Piranhas. Those are the best kind. They're good eating, though. Yeah, they are. Mm-hmm. Um, and then and then we proceeded to get into a canoe and go another two hours up into the jungle. My wife. My uh, oldest daughter Haley and myself and uh, and and another man Brian and a couple other people. Um, so what? Now that's remote. Forty hours in a plane, two hours in a float plane, two hours in a canoe into the jungle where it's it these they don't have internet there, right? No, correct. They don't have electricity. As a matter of fact, they don't even recognize the fact that the world is round, and they're one of 350 people that speak this specific language. There's only 350 people in the world that speak this language, and we're in their village. Unbelievable. How was the impact of that short-term trip different than your first trip to the Dominican Republic? You know, it's interesting because you couldn't communicate with them, period. I know a tiny bit of Spanish and there's also a translator so in the Dominican Republic you can actually you can actually get across some things to some people and through a translator it's very easy but uh, these people spoke their own language and the and the missionary had been there for nine years and unless she's standing right next to you uh, it was a it was such a different experience Jim I can't even tell you I don't think the show is long enough to tell you how strange it you're right it's not okay that show was <laughs> I mean that uh, trip was but um, to me, the importance of the gospel was was really uh, shown to me because not only did this woman, Lisa, have to learn their language, she had to learn their culture, she had to write an alphabet for them because they didn't have a written language, and then she needed to start interpreting books of the Bible into the language that she had to learn over the course of the last nine years. And to see believers in that village uh, the the woman the woman ringing the church bell with a big cigarette in her mouth made from the tobacco they have there in Papua New Guinea was a was a was a pretty funny thing because you know this is a culture that's never experienced anything it's it's so unusual you can't even really describe it you can't you can't describe the smells you can't describe what it looked like it was just a people that that had no concept of time or space or anything else they thought that little section of the world was the only thing there was and that's perspective when you want you want to get a paradigm shift in your life you need to go to a place like that because (laughs) that's when you can hear god because you can't hear anything else but birds and things cricketing and yeah i can imagine what the noises are all right my last piece that i want to talk about in the last few minutes is you know one of the things i've noticed is that business people god has equipped business people with one of four gifts or multiples of them you know administration finance management and organization that's the way god gifts business people but missionaries and pastors are gifted with teaching evangelism and discipleship what god revealed to me after your trip to the dominican and then i went to the dominican and saw god's work in these business people's lives is that business people have so much to offer people in ministry and ministry people have so much to offer to business people because the business people need to learn from the missionaries and pastors how to do teaching evangelism and discipleship but the missionaries and the pastors desperately need to have somebody come alongside them to help them with administration business or administration finance organization and management they just don't have it what have you guys martha you you spent almost a year on the mission field did you see those same things 
Um, well, I think one of the things that I saw as I was still in high school and I went to a Christian boarding school that spoke English, but there were people there that chose to use the skills that they'd gone to school for to come mm. and work in that Christian school. And a lot of those, a lot of our teachers and our dorm parents and things like that were short-term missionaries, but they made a decision. I'm going to give a year to the Lord to go and teach missionary kids, because if I can teach the missionary kids, then their parents can be doing what God's called them to do. So I saw that firsthand, and I never even really thought about that before. They used their training to keep the mission alive. Well, and your dad and mom didn't go to go, you know, be uh, teaching evangelism That's and discipleship. Right. Your dad went to go do what? He's a photographer. So actually, they went to Venezuela to photograph all of the mission work that was being done there. And um, so he was very much convicted in his testimony. God said, what's in your hand? Just like he said to Moses, you know, what is it? What is in your hand? And for my dad, that was his camera. And being able to use that to further the kingdom, that was back before digital photography. And it was really hard to get a good understanding of what was happening on the mission field. Right. All right. So, Eric, in your own mind, as I described that, I saw your group of business guys come alongside Kenneth Belucci in the Dominican and really bless him with your business skills. But I also saw him investing in you guys, bringing you to church, calling you, following up with you. How how did you see that come alive, that, that mutual discipleship thing? Well, really, Jim, I I think that's the body of Christ. I mean, that's how mm-hmm. that's how the body works. You know, some of us are the hands, some of us are the feet, some of us are the mouth, some of us, some of us are doing various things. And uh, to to have an understanding that you've been gifted, you've been given certain things by the Lord to use, and 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 like Martha said, one of those gifts might be the fact that you're a wonderful photographer, and and whatever it is that you do, we talked earlier before the show started whether eating or drinking, do everything under the glory of God. And that God has given us all abilities and gifts and things to do, and we we should exploit those gifts for his kingdom. So because your gift might not be evangelism, because your gift might not be administration, God doesn't make junk. So he's he's got a purpose and a plan for each and every individual's life. And boy, I'll tell you, when you get plugged in, and you follow his Holy Spirit, anything can happen. It's wonderful. Yeah, it's awesome. All right, we've been talking about how going on a short-term missions trip prepares you for workplace ministry. We're Christ followers who own our own business, but ultimately, I work for him. 